Welcome to Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. This is episode 126 of Death Readers, the podcast where Rob and I share our thoughts and notes with each other on the books we're reading for the first time. If this is your first time listening, we suggest reading Goosebumps, book 17, Why I'm Afraid of Bees, before listening to this episode. That way you too can follow along. Welcome to a Death Readers one and done. Rob, do we have any housekeeping? Um, do we have any housekeeping, Doug? I think we might. Well, my housekeeping is regarding the cover. So if you want to do the edition edition, we can talk about what we missed out on last time. Um, okay. Because um, we teased the cover last time. We did tease the cover last time. Oh, okay. So we can talk about the cover again, is what you're yeah. saying? Because we'll do yeah. the edition edition? Okay, cool. Um, so uh, my, Rob stole his copy, so he doesn't have a. Edition. Hey, 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 that's um, my story to tell. <laughs> it was it was fraught with peril. You you literally did it before the end of last episode. That's also we were recording true. and you were like, "Bing bong, stolen." <laughs> it's really easy to find these books for free. You were like, "Oh, look at that. I've got it now." Mhm. Eat my not residuals, RL Stein. <laughs> my anti-residuals. Um, but I actually have a physical copy that I purchased with human dollars. Mm-hmm. And mine is the reprint edition. From I think I've 2004 or something, and it is the 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 third printing, which is weird that the box that I have has different printings throughout it from the same series of that is kind of weird. Like they're like they're just grabbing books off their Scholastic archive shelves. Like I don't know this one. Fine. It would be it would be cool to learn that this box set absolutely was just random books but I, I kind of have a feeling that it's the same ever if you bought this box set you got the same books i mean because he never goes to school in this one right i guess one character talks about summer school but that's it you think that's the oh i thought you called it the like school series or something it is it's the haunted school box set yeah and he doesn't do any schooling so well the haunted school is a book that's in it oh and so i don't know if that's like if that's the book that they're really relying on let's see what else is in here Curse it, Camp Cold Lake, Attack of the Jack O' Lanterns. These all don't seem to have anything to do with school, so I don't know, man. I don't know what this thing's I mean, about. You might be right. It might be featuring that one. What number is that one? The Haunted School. It doesn't say on my version. Really? Um, yeah, the reprints don't say that. They don't have the numbers listed. They just hmm. say the title. Weird. But anyway, that's my edition. And do uh, you want to talk about the cover? Well, last time, you described the cover. You want to give us a little rundown again for new listeners? Well, it's a, it's a, the cover is that of a, of a big B yep. on the cover and has the, the, the head of a child who looks yep. surprised Yes, and the child's got a sort of a buzz cut. Oh, I see, think God a, damn it. There it which is. Which I think is a, a, a deliberate. The last time we said crew cut. No, I think and I'm it's like, a we should have called it a buzz cut, but you, you a... went and stepped on, on my bit and you ruined everything. Um, <laughs> I mean, to be fair. You asked you asked me to do this. Yeah, well, I thought you were going to do what you did last time. Well, I thought you were going to be a fucking idiot, Doug, like you were last time. But no, <laughs> but no, you went out and you figured out what we all what we missed last time. You figured it out too, and you decided you were going to say it and you're going to steal my thunder that you didn't know I had thundered, and that <laughs> that's just cruel. That you didn't know I had thundered. It's really good. It's worth it. Yeah, I stand by everything that happened. It was it, it was worthwhile. 
Uh, I do think it is, uh, I'm glad you brought that up because I do think it's worth pointing out that the kid definitely has a buzz cut and that's, that's in no way accidental. Right. Um, it's a visual pun. It's almost worse. <laughs> who, uh, who did the artwork for this book? Uh, the cover artist for this is Tim Jacobus. Huh. Yep. Let's see what else he did the artwork for. Looks like he did the the ha- artwork for The Haunted School and uh, Invasion of the Body Squeezers Part 2. The, go- the Ghost Next Door, Say Cheese and Die, The Haunted Mask 2, How I Got My Shrunken Head. Anyway, yeah, he did a lot of Goosebumps covers. Okay. This one's particularly weird. Well, let's get into it. Yeah, let's start the show. Uh, do you, so you have no other? No. Nothing else? Okay. Uh, well, let's start with the summary then. So uh, this is what happens in Why I'm Afraid of Bees, Goosebumps, book number 17. Gary is a wimp. The kind of guy who gets sand kicked in his face on the back of comic books. <laughs> He's afraid of everything and gets picked on by bullies, his sister, and worst of all, his aperious neighbor. Fed up with life, Gary decides to take a vacation from his woes by transferring his mind into the body of another child his age. Gary expects the procedure to go smoothly, but instead of finding himself in the body of a cool kid, he wakes up in the body of a fat bumblebee. Desperate for answers, Gary buzzed around for half of the book trying to find help and avoiding danger after danger before he finally convinced the other kid in his old body to relinquish control and swap back after Gary stings him in the face and nearly dies. Of course now Gary is cool and loves his life. So that's basically what happens in this. Basically, basically uh, to be more specific. Most of the book is Gary hating being himself Mm -hmm. and going into detail and spending a lot of spending, maybe uh, 20 or so pages on that. Maybe a little more. And then he becomes a bee. And then it's just like, it's almost like 75% of the book is the POV shots from like, like reading the, uh, the internal monologue while you watch the POV shots from honey. I shrunk the kids Mm. or stuff like that, where you're like, you're like an ant just running through grass and stuff like that. And that's, Mostly what the book is, is just this guy saying, oh, no, there was a bee in front of me, and oh, I almost got squished by something, and oh, everything's so big and scary, and everything's trying to kill me. Yeah, it's, um, you commented a book or two ago that these books are, like, kids' versions of more popular horror media. Mm-hmm. This clearly seems like it's a take on the fly. The fly, the, with, yeah. Uh, especially the, especially the, the first one. Yeah, the original, or the, the original, one. that's what I meant. Is it the second one? Horror take on the fly with uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids um, adventure. Right. Although that's a strong word to use because it's not particularly adventurous. It's pretty treacherous. He does He does seem to almost die quite a lot. I guess. I don't know what's, I don't know how that could be not adventurous, I guess. It could be boring, but yeah. it's still pretty adventurous. Well, is it though? Um. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It can be both things. Um, the uh, I find uh, adventure when successful is not boring. 
Well, that doesn't mean it was successful, Rob. Don't you understand? No, but so I'm that's saying what I said if it's now. not ex- if it's not successful, then it's not adv- it's failed at being an adventure. So it's not adventure. That's that's how all that language works. I don't agree with that okay. assessment of language. Shackleton, write in, death listeners, and tell famous, us who's famously right. failed to uh to for in his adventure to Antarctica, but definitely had an adventure. You see, he sounds more like a tra- tragedian. But again, it goes to my point is there's nothing to do with like the tone of it or how it like how much you enjoyed it. It's still an adventure. It's fine. I'm saying, look, imagine you're going to go make some hamburger, right? Like a hamburger, like a hamburger sandwich. Okay. Yep. You shape your patty. Yep. You put it in a hot skillet. Totally. (laughs) As it's cooking, you stab at it with the spatula and break it all up into loose ground beef. Okay. You failed at making a hamburger. It's no longer a hamburger. But it is hamburger. It, it is still, hamburger, but it is not a hamburger. hamburger. It's not a hamburger. It is now loose cooked ground beef. Perfect for tacos, but not a hamburger. Much the same way that when an adventure fails, it's no longer an adventure. But if you still put it on a on the bun and eat it. You have a loose meat sandwich. See, that's, I think what I'm getting at is this is an unnecessary distinction <laughs> that is really missing all several it, it sort of quite quite it loses a lot of validity when it becomes just like weirdly <laughs> like a weirdly vindictive point about something that isn't really right and instead of just instead of just accepting like the the offer I gave of like you it, you just didn't like it you you're just like no it isn't adventure. Not liking it isn't good enough. It's got to also be a complete abject failure. Because only then can my loose unhappiness with having read it be justified. So it sounds like we're saying the same thing. Okay, that's good. That's good that we're saying the same thing. Um, that's good. This is contentious. It's good stuff. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Well, so that's basically the story is that, that happens. Then, then Gary, uh, then Ross gets to get himself out of being a bee by f- somehow finding a way to communicate with the person who did the procedure, who, who conducted it. And with their help and with the help of stabbing, or, or, you know, with, with stinging the other kid who took over his body in the face, he's able to somehow miraculously wake up back in his old body and then becomes cooler and, and becomes friends with that kid and has somehow retained all the abilities that kid developed in his in his body. Now, did I miss something? Because I thought it was just the sting. I didn't think he got any help. I thought he tried to get some help and she just ran off. You are correct, but he, okay. he did go. He did go talk to her. Hmm. She That's did right. I just want to make him. sure I didn't. Where you know there was an obvious clue where she was outside with some sort no. of uh, parabolic dish beaming their consciences back where they should be. No, this uh-huh. was that was definitely me uh, filling in the blanks and being like, "Well, he, he the kid couldn't have done it himself, so he had to go get their help." It's a perfectly it reasonable uh, takeaway from fiction, I think, to to add your own. <laughs> I mean, at least I'm citing something that happened in it. Like, we know that's the only way we can get him back. Or, or the sting. So it's got to be, what? Do you think the sting did it? The st- clearly the sting did it. He stung him, uh, woke up in his own body, didn't know what happened. That's all they said. Okay. So, uh, do you have any notes before page 28? Well, I've got a question about uh, the cat. 
Okay. Do you think it's pronounced Claus or Klaus? Oh, it's Claus. Okay. I read uh, it as Klaus every time, but it's definitely Claus. Okay. Um. Then the I have a because you like baseball, right? I've been known to like baseball. So I got a question about baseball. I think the baseball game happens before your question. Baseball game happens before my question. Well, you. Oh yeah, because the game where he they tell him before the the page number you cited. I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, the baseball game. Now I remember. Yeah, sure. What's up? Um, so he's there, picked last, sent to the outfield. Everyone, look, I completely, I, 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 I I empathized with him Ah, in this scene. Okay. Completely, how I approached sports. Um, but. When he goes up to bat, given a humiliating fourth possible out ahead of time, which, of course, he succeeds in f- failing at taking whatever happens. He, he, he hits four swings at the bat, misses every one. He, he gets four strikes instead of the traditional three for thank some you. reason. Yes. Um, thank you for putting they, baseball they still, terms into my ramble. And they still don't do they still doesn't succeed. It, it doesn't help him at all. It seems like a waste of time. The girls chant no batter no batter no batter yes and i know that this is a baseball chant sure why does it mean because Uh, clearly obviously there's a batter well the implication is that he's so bad that it's the equivalent of not having a batter really yeah it seems like a really dumb chant well i mean if you're the kid walking up to bat and you're like wait they're saying that i me when i'm at bat is the equivalent of not having a batter oh that hurts my feelings wow so I want to. I want it, to. It's like saying that you were nothing. You were less than nothing. This is why. This is why organized sports suck. <laughs> I don't know if it's the sport versus the people. <laughs> like it seems no, like this. Th- this th- isn't part of the game. They don't say, okay, who's got? It's not basketball. It's like like who's got the best insult to try to throw off the other guy. That's not really part of the built-in game. Just really, really stupid insults just are so disheartening to me. They're not good, but like I also kind of love them. I don't like this one, but in terms of stupid insults, I do kind. Of, I like stupid insults. Really? I mean, can you give me an example of a stupid insult you like? I like it when British people call each other Burks. I don't know what that means. It sounds like a weird. Sounds oh. like a weird name. It sounds like a weird word. No, I think I know what it means. Is it like ballsack? No, it's a. I believe. I believe. It's been a while since I've looked up. I believe it's Cockney rhyming slang. For a jerk? For Berkshire Hunt. Oh. So it's something that rhymes with hunt. Right. And it got shortened to Burke. Got it. Berkshire Hunt. It might have something to do with a specific school. I don't know much more than that, but I, th- I feel like that's what I've read. So anytime someone's saying Burke, it's a pretty foul insult. I guess, but every litter has a runt. And I don't feel like that's that insulting. I, we're, I mean, but it's it's so. It's diminutive, and and, and, and like you're you're basically calling the person small and weak, and you know unable to really survive on their own. But it's not. I mean, that's I, no so worse than no batter to, to mock somebody for their size anymore. That's kind of true. Well, well, anyway, I guess I failed at that. I guess it wasn't you an insult. Fail. Then. You're just you just got that baseball mentality. Um, <laughs> no batter, no batter, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I can't come up with any other bad insults that are actually good. Okay. Uh, then I don't think I have another. I, I'm not sure where my next note lies. So, what's your note? Uh, page twenty-eight. 
in the person-to-person office, Gary's told he can swap bodies with a boy or a girl. Hmm. At first, I thought that was great and progressive. But then, I realized how many teenagers would just abuse that privilege of being in the body of a person of another gender. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, this seems like... This person-to-person thing, I mean, I'm not... uh, I don't think this was intentional when when the book was written. But if that's a possibility, it seems like... You know how you know how Snapchat like kind of got in trouble. Maybe not in trouble, but maybe maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. But I'm just gonna start talking about stuff I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway. My favorite way to talk. I have this I have this memory of a rumor of a ghost of a whisper that Snapchat had trouble with children children sending nude photographs of each other to one another through their platform. Yeah. And because Snapchat itself, the whole purpose of it is that the 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 app deletes the the images it, d- it doesn't retain the message that was sent okay so they Never, they were i'll be honest something i've i'm well i think everybody thought they were getting away with something including the company but i i've never really used it i think i tried a long time ago and it just didn't work like there was something to do with my job where it was like i might have needed to use snapchat for some reason and i don't i don't understand it and it's just not for me sure and I think the reason is because it is a it's simply a messaging app for children, like it's it's all it really is. It's a it's a a messaging app that that forgets what you've said. Right. So that was, but that's part of the appeal is that you can send someone essentially a nude photograph or a, a risque photograph and get rid of it. But if it's also an app for children, that means I'll just say, ergo, it's entirely possible that one of the main draws for this app was that children could send these things to each other. Like you were saying, maybe like they were getting away with something. I'm just saying that's entirely possible. And I feel like if you worked, if you lived in a world where this technology was possible and so unregulated that you didn't even have to have parental consent to do it, then like, which by the way, in the, if you haven't read this book, they don't, the, the process of the person to person transfer happens without any supervision of, of any kind. These children just go put their literal minds in the hands of a private company and just push a button or whatever the process they is. They go to an office and make an appointment without any supervision. Yeah, exactly. And they, they make choices about their own bodies without the consent of their parents when they're under a certain age. And no talk of payment, ever. Not at all. It's just... It, it, <sighs> or safety, or like recompense it's, if it doesn't go wrong, like it doesn't in this book. I've got, I've got a little grid that talks about this later, but it's all right. very, very odd. Anyway, it just becomes a very, it's an interesting thing that like to think about that. And then it occurred to me that like, I feel like almost, I feel like most modern body swap movies have the joke where the swapped parties gander at each, at their own, at their new genitals. Mm -hmm. And there's a joke where it's like, oh, look at that. Oh, wow. That's what that looks like. Oh, golly. (laughs) And, and it's a, it's, it's so funny. And I just thought, like, well, but what if it's worse than that? What if it's, like, like uh, I don't know. I just don't like the idea. It just feels like uh, it's problematic in a, in a real way, in the sense that if you were to make this an option, and it is as unregulated as it is, I have a feeling you would have a rash. At least the first wave. The first wave of kids to do this would all be horribly victimized. Maybe not all, but a good portion of them would be horribly victimized by the other children jumping into their bodies. Mm-hmm. So, not that that isn't necessarily a metaphor for 
selfies and and sexting anyway but it it isn't in this book because that wasn't a thing then but if you're going to redo this book i say make that the story make it a cautionary tale not about what this book's about but like make it about the risks of sexting and how the internet is forever and things like that well that would require a a stronger authorial voice maybe but i think you're too harsh on this guy but i don't know man this this one was this one may have been the hardest one yet just because the internal logic seemed so inconsistent and as needed mhm uh that's the end of my note for there uh for the page 28 i do have one on 33 i don't have a page note but i i definitely took a note that there is a cat jump scare in this book Oh, which I was kind of amused at the audacity of that because it's such a, a, you know, a visual thing usually accompanied right. by a, a string swell of. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm like, and you did it in a book. That's just so weird, man. Yeah, uh, I was taken aback. I really started to see it this time. I'm sure it's equally prevalent in all three books, but I just was overwhelmed by the amount of exclamation marks. What is your note on page thirty three? Page 33, Gary refers to the sound bees make as a droning hum. I see what you did there, RL. <laughs> I see what you've done. Moderately played, sir. <laughs> There's um, definitely a lot of those in this book. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like it's not like slathered in it, but it is it's it's noticeable. I have a note on chapter 14. Okay, what happens in chapter 14? It's exceptionally sexual. <laughs> What else happens in chapter 14? <laughs> it's uh, There's a lot of sucking and oh, being so... surrounded by big hairy bodies of brothers and sisters. Okay, so this is when he's in the hive. There's a line where Gary describes the bees as doing disgusting things with their mouths. It's like the subtext of this story being an allegory for deviant sexual awakenings has simply become the text. <laughs> I didn't have that read to it. I thought it was just... More of his, ew, honey is basically bee vomit, yuck. But uh, now I can't not see that, and thank you for... I hate to say ruining this book, <laughs> but making it icky-er. Let's see. What I'm trying to I... see if there's something I can... If there's a, if a, a section I can read out of this that would help illustrate my, my point. First they use their legs. Well, it actually starts before there, honestly. Okay. Here, it should it should go something like this. Maybe this isn't that weird, but it's a uh, it's not great. I realized I had to move. I had to find something to eat. Shaking with sh- shaking with fear, I tiptoed out into the open. I took a nervous look around. On the far wall, I could see a large cluster of bees busy building something—a honeycomb. And where there was a honeycomb, I told myself. There was honey. I've always hated the sweet, sticky goo. But I knew I had to eat some right away. As quietly as I could, I crept over and joined the bee worker. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw them doing really gross things with their mouths. First, they used their legs to pick little flakes of waxy-looking stuff off their abdomen. Then they crammed the wax into their mouths and started working their jaws up and down down like little chewing machines finally they spit the wax and used it to build part of the honeycomb they were working on yuck it looked so disgusting it made me sick 
But what choice did I have? I had to eat some honey. Even if it was covered in bee spit. I turned my head and practiced sucking my tongue up and down. And then I slurped a big puddle of honey. I don't think I can. Amazing! For the first time in my life, I actually liked that stuff. Soon, I was sucking it down as if it were chocolate milk. After a while, I got quite good with my tongue, which was actually more of a bendable tube than a tongue. It was really the perfect tool for guzzling honey. I don't think I care for the vocal fry you affected there a couple times. Made it uh, made it worse. It's in the book, man. It's all <laughs> on the page. It's all there. With a weary sigh, I sank against a clump of hairy bodies. I sank into the warm darkness of the hive, surrounded by the steady buzz, breathing the sweet aroma of the honey. I sank beside my furry brothers and sisters. I'm one of them now, I told myself weakly. I'm not a boy anymore. I'm a bee. A buzzing bee. A bee sinking into the warm, dark hive. My home. Sinking. Sinking. Well. And that's my reading of uh, Why I'm Afraid of Bees. <laughs> uh, uh, you didn't see that stuff when you read it? Cause... You know, I didn't, and now I can't not. Well, I mean, it's all in there. Well, my next note's about Dirk refusing to give up his body. What do you got? <laughs> uh, I have a note on page 75. Oh, God, it's so creepy. <laughs> what is? Did you find something more that was gross again? No, everything you just did. Everything you performed. What do you mean? <sighs> I just... It feels like there's an undercurrent of some sort. Enough chit-chat, I told him. When do you plan to get out of my body? Never, he replied. Uh, I found that just obnoxious. And his refusal... That seems like innuendo to me, is what I'm kind of saying. Well, I'm hearing that now, of course, sure. I wasn't, again, reading with uh, that sort of uh, perspicacity. Uh, Awareness, perhaps. Um... This is like a sexual awakening is what it seems like. It does. No, it it, it is seeming like it's that. Yes. The start of chapter 16. I waited to be crushed. I mean, that's just deviant. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So you're saying this book is puberty. No, I'm saying this book is. Puberty. I'm saying this book is like a collegiate awakening or maybe like after you get divorced and you're like, what do I have to live for? I might as well just start screwing. It's like, in like not even caring what's what it is as long as it's new. Yeah. I feel like Listen, I missed out. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, it, I just couldn't help it. There was th- th- that whole, I think even chapter 13 has quite a few of these like perverse sort of like, 
things where I think he talks about his body vibrating a lot. Is it, well, like, now hold on now. Is it perverse to have those experiences? I think it's perverse for a child. But a child's going to have those awakening moments. It may be perverse to read about it. I'll give you that. I, uh, maybe that's the part that feels the most perverse is that I'm reading about it and it's a child. It's like those two things. Like it. Maybe it's because it jumps all the way from uh, realization to experience. It's it's the parts where it's like where I think the thing that jumps the shark for this that really crosses that threshold for me from being like oh it's just simply describing bees to being like ew I'm I can't help but feel like there's a lot of sexual things here certain word choices like he says sucking he talks about how good he gets at sucking he talks about how much he needs to suck that goo through that flexible tube yeah and like. I think that's where it really like penetrated the like the 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 tunnel of decency for me. <laughs> you know what you've done. I can see it on your face. Oh, I moaned. It was so dark inside the hive and so confusing. Where should I go? What should I do? The air was hot and wet. Everywhere I turned, I was surrounded by a deafening, droning hum. Anyway, it just, it just, there's so it's the, one the thing middle to have of a the book, book about his burgeoning awareness of who he might be as an adult. It's another to have him have these experiences, which could be likened to other things he should not yet be experiencing. Yes. It, it, okay. I think I'm going to jump to one of my other notes. I think in his heart. Why I'm Afraid of Bees is a story about... It's really supposed to be a story about uh, body dysmorphia. It's okay. supposed to be a story about the grass is always greener on the other side. Yep. And how you should really appreciate the things you have and make the best of what you can rather than uh, longing for some to be someone you're not because that, that way leads to FOMO. It leads to uh, depression. It leads to, you know, that whole, like, cycle of, of disappointment. Whereas if you were just, if you find contentment in what you, in the good things you do have, you will simply be a happier, healthier, more well-rounded person. I think that's absolutely what this book's supposed to be about, really. But unfortunately, the avenue R.L. Stein chose to tell that story involves a lot of sexually, sexual innuendos with the language and vocabulary I've mentioned earlier. Sexually and, charged metaphor, perhaps. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. And... And it just, he really, like, leaves that stuff in there. <laughs> and it's hard to read that and not, like, hear this stuff and go, ooh, golly. Because, like you said, you could interpret this book as a analogy or a, a, a for puberty. Like, the character, Gary, transforms his body completely to one that is now covered in much more hair. One that he's clumsy and unfamiliar with. And one in which he has desires that he formerly no didn't have desires for he did not have used to think it were yucky he, yeah, he used to think certain things were yucky and now he's like he's got to eat that goo and it it just feels like <laughs> i didn't write it man <laughs> i didn't say anything <laughs> i just i just feel like there's like some responsibility that i'm feeling like is being hoisted on me for being the one to pull back the curtain and show 
the horrific details here. But hey, man, I'm hey. just a journalist. You're I'm the, just showing the world what it is. I'm the bad boy of the podcast. You're the Dorothy Gale or the Toto okay. of the podcast. Dude, talk about another movie that was an awakening for a lot of people. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Like, I don't it's, – it's not an off metaphor if this book – I'm saying if you're having trouble being yourself – Check out Goosebumps Book 17, Why I'm Afraid of Bees. <laughs> and maybe Gary's Awakening can help you along your path. <laughs> Ruby Fruit Jungle, it's not, but maybe it'll do something for you. Here's a great here's a great affirmation line that could be a a total like bumper sticker for a movement about self-identity and like coming to terms with with being more out. Page 79 in my book. I am not B. I am Gary. Hello, me. (laughs) Okay, wow. Hello, me indeed. (laughs) I, I read that too literally. I'm like, it's just a misspelling. I moved on. It's a good point. It's a good point. This book has layers, man. It's got... I will give it layers. I will give it layers. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it is... If you read it like it's a book about sexual awakening, it suddenly becomes a lot more like Rocky Horror Picture Show sure. than like a shitty version of The Fly, like a shitty kid's version of The Fly. And I don't know. I kind of like that reading. It's, um, it's a good reading that I'm liking too. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to reevaluate though because... I guess just its internal logic was so, I hesitate to say sloppy, but as needed, you know, just turned on and off, clunky, that it was very hard for me to to maybe see what the book was trying to tell me because I'm just like, this this Uh, world doesn't work for me. Maybe. I'm also, I could also be completely projecting like, no, but it's much. I, but whatever you're projecting, it doesn't change the fact that I was disengaged. Sure, sure. Um, chapter fourteen is really the crux yeah. of this whole thing for me because even even the parts I didn't read, are like right here, I tried to smile, and then I almost gagged on my honey. What was happening to me? What was I thinking? I I was actually starting to feel. Like a bee. I had to get out of this place. Before it was too late. I wanted to start searching for an escape route right away, but I suddenly felt so tired, so completely worn out. Was it the honey? Was it the strain of so much fear? I could barely keep my eyes open. The droning hum grew louder. With a weary sigh, I sank against a clump of hairy bodies. Well. Just sounds like somebody who's really fighting against being themselves. This B-E-E-I-N-G themselves. (laughs) Anyway, that's the centerpiece of my review. (laughs) So so, uh, we can move on if you'd like. Uh, let's, what other notes do you have about the book? I have a, 
I've a note on page 75. Okay. When Gary finally makes it back to his house as a bee and attempts to communicate with his sister, she bats him down to the countertop and grabs the fly swatter. She smashes the fly swatter down right next to him, and he feels the countertop vibrate with the force of her vengeance. And then Gary reflects on his sister's status as the house champ of fly swatting, Mm -hmm. claiming she never misses. But she just fucking missed. So is that like bad writing or lazy foreshadowing? It turns out to be neither. Well, it turns out not to be for the foreshadowing. It turns out, I guess, just to be forgetful. Like, you don't think it was some sort of, I actually attributed some sort of subconscious understanding not to kill this bee on his sister's part. Maybe, but I would love to have seen that as some sort of like. Some payoff. Like a, or, or some hint to more more than just she missed. Sure. And more than he, like, like if he had said, she never misses, she never misses. She must know. Right. Maybe she heard me. Any, any exploration of that. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. It's just not there. It's not. And that's, um, I jotted down this little, uh, this little chart. I say chart, more like a table. Uh, I feel like this book and a lot of these books have suspension of disbelief of a four-year-old. The the writing for a six-year-old audience, but the contents at about an eight-year-old level. And I think that's part of why I feel very jumbly and don't like. Because it's just like, who who are these books for? Like, like for example, the concept of the person-to-person vacation exists in this world, right? Right, which is basically, I mean, that's on par with Recall from Total Recall. Yeah, except that it seems like no one in the world except Gary and his children his age know about it. Right, so now it feels like it's a pop-up magical store that only shows up when you need it. Yeah, but like... Is that it or is it just like or, or should we assume that everybody knows about this and everyone does this all the time, but we don't get any information about that. But that what, level of the world right. building doesn't actually exist in the narrative. It's not when, it's not shown. And when the woman who runs was peer to peer, was it? No, it's yeah, a, person to person, person to person. <laughs> uh, when the woman who runs that is confronted with her mistake, she runs off flummoxed instead of offering some wise wisdom that, you know, the sage who runs a magic store would you know, like, well, this is how you'll have to conquer your trouble. And grow as a person. You didn't do it. I mean, it, it. I feel like the same amount of time, same amount of words could have been used to convey that. And it could have been like, oh, huh. But no, she just runs off wringing her hands. It's very odd. I, I, th- I Yeah, I think that part's supposed to be funny. Uh, I think it's supposed to be a comic thing. Like, you spent all this time getting to this point to be with this person who's going to save the day. And then she turns out to be a stooge. Like, she just turns out to be a goof that is, like, dumb and doesn't really... Like, she's forgetful and, and like, doesn't really realize... Forgets that he's in the room, stuff like that. Forgets that it's Friday. Yeah, I, I, I guess. It's just... It's very slapsticky, old vaudevillian-style comedy, but it's not, like, done well. If, it, if that is what it is, it's a weird reading of it. But kind of like you said about the jump scare... I don't. I think at this point he's definitely writing for episodes of TV. Uh, uh, that's by, a good by point. Book, by book seventeen, I think he's already just r- trying to write for TV episodes and write stuff that he thinks would work well in them. I would be very interested to know when he when the when he got the Goosebumps series greenlit in conjunction with the series. Like like was he big enough because of Fear Street 
did they come to him and say, hey, give us something we can turn into a show? And the idea was always there? Or was it, did these books take off and him go, oh, you want to do a show out of it? Now I've got 20 out? Sure. I'd be interested. How is there, how have I not heard of a Goosebumps documentary that explains all of this? Maybe uh, you need to be the change you see in the world. Or I want to see in the world. However it's said. Fucking make a Goosebumps <laughs> documentary is what I'm saying. <laughs> You can maybe you R. Should... L. Stein will scrub these episodes from the internet. He'll never know. Maybe you should change the C U R B in the world. Hmm? <laughs> what? Why not? I will change the C that I be. Oh, that's what Burke rhymes with. <laughs> uh, really, I only have a ending note and an overview left. I've got another note. Okay. Page eighty-eight. Uh, so if you haven't read it, page 88 is about 30 pages to the end of the book. Uh, page 88 is when I realized that Gary doesn't have the body shown on the cover. Oh, yeah. And I realized that, like, that that was a huge... I guess I found that to be a huge letdown. I thought there was a scene very early on when he looked in a mirror and saw the big bug eye staring back at him. That's where I realized it. I think that that happens, but like, I guess I didn't really, the, the cover is so visually Striking. overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. That you just like, that I just can't get it out of my head. Like to me, that's obviously what Gary looks like the whole story. Right. Cause in the, in the fly, um, that's what happens to the doctor in the, in the, uh, the older fly, the, 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 the Vincent Price one. Yeah. Right. He, he, uh, the, the bug itself has the human head and human arm, and it's help me, you know, in the in the in the uh, spider web. And so I thought they were gonna go, he Stein was gonna go very much directly for that comparison. I think that was the author or the, the artist trying to harken back to the fly without any input from Arl Stein. But it is very misleading. But I, I also kind of feel like it's a bit of a ripoff because like I don't know. Well, yeah. Agreed. I just wanted it to be. I wanted it to be the thing it promised it would be with the cover. Mm-hmm. Which is why you can't judge a book by the cover, uh, unless you're me and you've had a lot of experience. Maybe we could have a class action lawsuit. Well, not you, because you didn't buy it, but I could. I was so traumatized by it. I feel like I could probably get something out of that. I don't know, man. I think if you go to if you go to a court and say this scary book traumatized me, they would go, "Well, it's a scary book. It's supposed to traumatize you." No, it wasn't that scary. And then they're like, "Well, it didn't, it didn't traumatize." He's like, "No, I'm not getting what I wanted." <laughs> Sounds like an open shut case to me. <laughs> Get some of that Arl um, Stein money for once. I've only got my overview now. Okay. Um, the ending. His weird Lovecraftian ending. What makes it Lovecraftian? There's a number of, especially like, uh, I don't want to ruin Lovecraft for you, but Shadowver Innsmouth takes a turn where the narrator you've been following this entire time starts to exhibit odd things at the very end. And, and, and clearly um, they're going insane. They're having changes and, and it takes you through that. There's a couple of stories that do this of his. Um, and in this... Uh, Gary starts to become overwhelmed with the idea of sucking pollen out of a flower like a bee would. Right, right. Um, I think it, here's the ending of the book. Spoilers. Which book? This book. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, so all in all, my life is back to normal. I feel terrific. Totally normal. In fact, I feel much better than normal. It's so great to sit here in the backyard reading and relaxing, smelling the fresh fall air, enjoying the flowers. Mmm. Those hollyhocks are really awesome. Excuse me a moment while I get up and take a closer look. That blossom down near the ground is so perfect. I think I'll get down on my knees and take a quick taste. Do you know how to suck the pollen out? I figured out the best way. It's not as hard as it looks. You just pucker up your lips and stick your tongue way out like this. See? Then you dip your face down into the blossom and suck up all the pollen you want. Try it. Go ahead. Mmm. Go ahead. It's easy. Really? So first of all, yes. Reading it out loud just now, I can't help but be influenced by everything you've said, and you are correct. Thank you. But second of all, that 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 sort of without either understanding of the narrator who loses their mind at the end or the burgeoning awakening of a young man, would the readers get the ending? Because these books are written for very young. Do you think they would understand that that's what's going on? No, I, I mean, I don't I don't think it's uh, first off. Children are all miracles, and they <laughs> yeah, all but dumb miracles. They are all so incredibly intelligent and smart. And if you if you are lucky enough to have created one, oh my God, yours is the most special. And they've ne- they're never going to do anything wrong. And they certainly aren't a fucking idiot. So, what I'll say <laughs> is that I think children are. Vessels for endless opportunity, and they can do anything they set their minds to, even understand things they don't understand. And (laughs) (laughs) that made as much sense as this book. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, and so, in with that being said. Uh, I don't think that this book does a good enough job of communicating that he is. I don't know. I I, I don't. I, I guess it depends on what the the age group for this book is. I honestly couldn't tell you. Like I can't tell if this book is for five to twelve year olds. Sure. Or, exactly. Or for like five to eight year olds. I right. really don't know. It doesn't say anywhere on here what its target audience is. Um, I think it says RL four, which I think is reading level four. And there's also the I feel thing like that's fourth is, grade though. Well, this in the back says zero eight to zero twelve, and I, I I don't know if that's a reading like an age. I don't know if that's an age or not. That probably is an age. It's probably like you can read this book out loud to your twelve year old, and it's okay if the three year olds in the room too. Okay, it's gonna um, be my guess. Well, anyway, I I, I I'm also like totally projecting because I want this book to have one of those things, but those numbers are right there, and and I I it seems. Like they're probably there for a reason, right. considering these are learning books. But uh, no, I I mean, there's that moment where he goes and finds uh, Dirk's body. Uh, listeners, Dirk is the name of the boy who switches bodies with Gary, but Gary goes into the body of a bee, and the bee's mind goes into Dirk's body. So when Gary Gary at some point in the book goes to find Dirk's body, which is the mind of a bee. And he finds it wandering around its house, shoving its face into flowers and sniffing all the pollen out and looking maniacal. Um, and it's great. It's weird. It's funny. It's weird. I like that stuff. But um, 
So I think that there's that sort of suggestion that that happens earlier in the book. That, like, obviously he's doing that because he has the mind of a bee. Right. So I, I do think that a, a reader could pick up that that's exactly what's happening at, at the age for this book is targeted. Uh, but I I also kind of wish that, like, I don't know. I kind of wish he had said something like, I guess I'm a little, I'm still a little bit of a bee after all. Or, like, I guess I'll always be a little bit of a bee or some shit like that. Right. Because he, he took this this what i feel is a lovecraftian approach of you know the the descent into madness but it, it needed to point it out a little bit more either way yeah yeah because because again you could if you don't if you don't say if he doesn't have the awareness of what he's doing and he doesn't like say like oh man i have this weird thing now i just kind of like smelling flowers a lot right if he doesn't say it out loud like he's comfortable with it like he understands what he's doing he's conscious of it then you you have the idea that like oh he just he just is still a little bit b but if you don't have that, like this book doesn't, it does lend itself to the sort of madness. Like, does he understand what he's doing? Does he understand the social mores he's breaking and the weird way he's describing it? Um, and that does lend itself a little bit towards Lovecraft, as you were saying. But uh, it's, I guess it's a little ambiguous because of the way it's written. Yeah. Um, and I don't, I guess I don't really have a problem with it either way because I, it doesn't, you know, it's not that important. But it's it's a good point, like that it's there, and it's. I guess here's what it is. You were talking earlier about failures, and if it, I guess it's kind of a failure of an ending if it doesn't so solidly do one or the other, and it doesn't. That's yeah. So, I think that's my problem. Right, and so that's that's like, it has it has to accept that criticism. Do you have? Your overview note. Yeah, I do. Like I mentioned earlier, this is this is my overview. So we already talked about a lot of this already, but body dysmorphia, fear of bees and bullies. I think R.L. Stein did it again. Made a very long book about something that kids could relate to, and probably scare them. Great job. Definitely padded out with the multiple fruitless attempts to contact other people. The book could have been twenty pages shorter. I didn't hate it as a Goosebumps book, but I did hate the cliffhanger. Uh, I wrote takeouts. Oh, fakeouts. I did hate the cliffhanger fakeouts. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think that they're written in a way to frighten the reader and then immediately calm their nerves, which I understand from a writing perspective because you don't want to scar six-year-olds. But as an adult, I really wanted Gary to be bitten in half. That Yes, exactly. The dragonfly was the most egregious example of this exactly it bit me a, in half yeah no i wasn't i was fine right so in in this book readers there's a moment where most of this book is sections or, or, or instances when gary's being attacked or is in danger or so or perceives danger and he's, he's constantly running away from being squished or eaten or mauled or swatted and one specific instance is when he gets pinned by a dragonfly on a leaf. And he's sure the dragonfly is going to bite him in half. And then it does. And the book says very clearly, and then I was bitten in half. It says Before it I can move, explicitly. it zoomed down, wrapped its teeth around my middle, and bit me in two. Right. And that's how the chapter ends. And then the very next page, Rob, 
Uh, I uttered a last gasp and waited for everything to go dark. It took me a few seconds to realize the dragonfly had turned and buzzed off in the other direction. My imagination was running away with me. That's what always happened when I got overtired, still waiting for him to say he was fine. Uh, I guess I don't. But he is. But he is. He is fine. Oh, the, sorry, the next sentence. I took a deep breath, grateful to still be in one piece. I, I really wanted that to be like a holy shit moment, like something crazy had just happened. Where, where was this book going to go now? Monty Python's Eric the Halfabee. It's where I went. And it was like, for me, it was like, I am suddenly very interested because I want to see what happens next. Sure. And then it takes me right back to as if that moment didn't happen at all. Mm-hmm. And that sucks. It's not fun to read that. Again, I, I'm trying to look at it from a perspective of as the writer you're you don't want to to traumatize your readers like like i think that's i i'm trying to rationalize it because because i think that's the only thing i can come up with is that he looks at his readers and says i can scare them up to a point we all know that we i bet you they had meeting after meeting after meeting at scholastic scholastics about what you were allowed to do in a goosebumps book in terms of horrific stuff and I think I would bet you because of the way these committee mind like think things go is that someone said we can do almost anything. You can say almost anything you want as long as it's either a dream or it didn't happen. As soon as you say it happened and then you say, oh, no, it didn't happen. You can do whatever you want. You can do anything. And he was like, OK, I guess that's my only way to make these a little ter- scary. Uh, and then he does it a lot. Um because I have a strong suspicion these books were written by committee Interesting. In, in, in a lot of ways. This kind of touches on my series overview note. Let me make sure my other note's done. No, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, so... And, and then after that, Gary is... He goes and he gets swapped. He, he convinces the other kid to finally let him go. Or swap bodies back. And that's... Yep. And at the end, he's all fine and dandy. Except now he has a penchant for flower lingus. Mm-hmm. Petalingus? Uh, Stamalingus. Stamalingus. We'll figure it out. Um, did you did you have an overview for this book? I have an overview for the for the for the series as we've read them, the three books. All right. About goosebumps and why they might be a kind of, I hate to say genius, but certainly, <laughs> uh. I feel there's a savvy calculation to these books. Yeah. That even if I do not appreciate them as writing, I can understand that they have, they, they understand their audience and that's why they were so well done. And that is, this is, this is what I scrawled out and see if I can make any sense of it. Uh, Almost all the horror in these books comes from the main character's imagination spinning out of control. All those cliffhangers and all these books that we've read. Uh, even when the worst has ostensibly happened, i.e. Gary gets turned into a bee, uh, they go on to imagine worse case, worser case scenarios, more worst case scenarios, however you want to say that. Um, and in that sense, the books are very clever for that's how for, for a few other books convey that constant anxiety that young kids feel when presented with a, with the world. And maybe they feel heard for the first time reading these books because they're always thinking, but what if, but what if, but what if, but what if, but what if. I certainly had that as a, as a very little kid. It was always, you know, uh, everything. Unless I was completely safe and, and normal, something something happens, and I'd be like, what's happening? I can't handle this. This, this. this is not what's supposed to happen. And 
And so I think it speaks to that in young kids. And in that sense, it's uh, financially <laughs> very savvy for the goose book, goosebump books, the goose books, the goose books. Yeah. Uh, I, I can see that. I, I think that, as I've said a couple times in they, I think these books are, I'll, I think they're masterfully, masterfully written for their target audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do not think they're very good books no. over, for adults, but I, I do think they're kind of masterpieces for their audience. And like, maybe not masterpieces, but they, I, would, I would hesitate on masterpieces, they, but they, they, they do. They, they know they do what they're a, doing. They, they achieve their goal. Yeah. And, um, like, like I said earlier, like you may not have had a, a raucous adventure with this book, but I bet you a eight year old would. Cause it's all language. They understand. They don't, they're not going to miss out on almost. And he did not even use the word apiary or apiist in the book. Mm-hmm. Everything was beekeeper. Everything was hive. Everything. All the words were in this book were very great appropriate. So I, um, there's a lot of praise I can give to these books in a lot of different ways. Um, I do have to say that it, it, I, I have an expectation that Goosebumps books should be horror b- books. And I did not feel like this book was as much of a horror book as I wanted. More of a sci-fi adventure or missing. It was much more of a sci-fi adventure. All of the scary things were all physical, uh, oops, kind of things like like oh, I'm about to get squished by a tire. But I mean, it's that it's it's horror in the sense that like you likened it to earlier, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, where suddenly everything every day things in your backyard are monsters. It's true, but like I mean, he didn't go into it too much. He was never attacked by a frog or no. But then like the he was attacked by a dragonfly earlier. Sure. Thought he yeah, was. Yeah, that's true. And there there is peril. There's clearly peril. And the cat, the cat. He's also true. attacked okay, by yeah. the cat. Fly swatters, roll of newspapers, attire. Yeah, uh, I, I think there's a like a there's a lot. So there's um, definitely the, peril, and in that sense, it could be horror. Right, but I don't I don't think peril is the, is 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 enough. Sure, per, action adventure has peril. Um, do you want what do you want in your horror? Then do you want some sort of uh, I, intelligence this, working against the main character? Well, there's a couple different things. Okay. There's a couple of things like there's there's one there's either a monster or some sort of force that's after you to kill you that has a name and has an identity. Sure. Uh, has a goal even. And then there's also the body horror aspect of like that should have been what this book was about. But every time he had the opportunity, it it, it leaned sexual versus leaned horrific, because like well, let's honey say it is... leaned pubescent. <laughs> sure. I, I guess um, I don't I don't think it's limited to pu- puberty though I okay. guess that's my thing that's I, I do true. I I think there's another angle for this that it is like t- my read of it is very queer mm-hmm. like in 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 the in the most positive way um, because these are all like like for my sexuality there was no hesitation like with embracing these new things so that is alien to me. But I can imagine if you live in a world where the things that you're attracted to are, you are told that they're not okay to be attracted to, you're going to fight against, you, not gonna, it's entirely understandable that you could fight against that urge. Yep. And you could spend a lot of time fighting that urge and putting yourself through hell to fit into the box society is built for you. Okay. Yeah. And so that's how I read 
the B transformation like uh, stuff in this book and how much he fights it is him being like really resistant to this thing that he's like suddenly experiencing, i.e. those new emotions, new feelings, new attractions, and then giving into them and being into them and, and really and, liking and afterwards them. being comfortable in his body. Yes. And then the end of the book, he still does that stuff because it's, he knows he's, it's okay to be who he is. To Gary, be who he is. Gary sucks flowers on his knees, as it said in the last page. And that's great. It's good for Gary. <laughs> it's great for Gary. That's part of the reason I don't want it to be a, 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 I don't like the Lovecraft ending idea is because that sort of writes it off as if, oh, he's just crazy. And it's like, I don't think so. I think Gary, like, has to know what he's doing on purpose. Like, he has to, he has to have really felt like he's perfected this aspect of his life. That's really interesting. I really like your read. Thanks. <laughs> um, and it's, <laughs> so I, I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I like this book for those reasons. I don't like, I don't like the constant searching for someone to help him to stop be a, being a bee. Like I, again, I feel like we could have done with one fewer of those instances, just like, Piano Lessons Can Be Murder could have done without one more interaction with the finding the piano playing by itself. Or right. what was the other fucking one we read? Oh, or, or, You Can't Scare Me. It could have done with maybe one less not scare. Maybe one less scare. It's just like it's just you cut you cut one more of those things out of the book in the book. I don't think the book would suffer. The one with the dog, probably. It seemed like it really went nowhere. Yeah. And even the dog in the end. Well, again, yeah, the dog one what's the point just yeah exactly just get her get courtney into the into the swamp and try to scare her with your brother right. like it's yeah it's it's just not <laughs> very good so uh it's almost like the goosebumps book kind of like the dritz books how they it felt like they had a a, a page target I think mm-hmm. the Goosebumps books have a page target of about 120, uh, 117-ish. Sure. And I think that they find themselves padded for those moments sure. to get to that to get to that. You can thing. write an easy 80 pages and then has to fill it up. Yeah. And so I don't I think that it's it becomes kind of obvious, but you know, they're they're chapter books, they have to happen, etc. 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 Yeah, I don't know, man. I I feel like this book and egg monsters from mars have like i did not expect to like this book (laughs) there's some actual subtext you can you can think about i didn't i did not expect at all to find the subtext that i found in this book Mm -hmm. and to appreciate it for having the subtext because i want to point out the other thing even the uh, even maybe it was clear to everybody else when i mentioned it earlier but even the illusion the uh, the allusion to the bodies of bees being hairy. Mm-hmm. Like that's a very masculine feature for in humans to have a hairy body. Mm-hmm. And for Gary as a young man uh, to have to be literally like sinking into a morass of maleness in the way that he is in the hive feels like very deliberate it feels very much like that rl stein might have been getting away with something or or fucking not at all and he just doesn't know that he wrote an amazing like coming out story like 
maybe not. Maybe it's not a coming out story because it doesn't really come out. It's just like that. That whole self acceptance, like, but could yeah, easily yeah. be attributed to that narrative. Yeah, in that way, if you if you if you just if you cut out all the bullshit in this book and you just sort of like appreciate that those couple, like I say, it really starts around like once he enters the hive, like so around chapter twelve or thirteen, once he finally like gets in there. Mm-hmm and starts experiencing that life, then you start, to, it really just sort of like goes off right. in that way. And then it, it just, it sort of like comes back out and like becomes more of the, uh, the, the adventure story, the wacky honey, I shrunk the kid story. Cause it's still a kid's book, but then the end really like just, I feel like the end really endorses this idea that this book is about self-acceptance. Mm-hmm. So Yeah. Uh, I like that. Okay. I have to say I like that too. I didn't love reading the book, but I like that. I like that read a lot. Could have been worse. Uh, my series overview, if I haven't, because I think I really focused on this specific book. My series overview, having read the, these three essentially unrelated Goosebumps books, the only relation being that they are Goosebumps books, is that, you know, I, like I said a lot about what I think about it. I think Arlstein taps into that thing. He also, like, when you, when you start analyzing it, you can see, like, there's elements of the tapping into the thing that children can relate to and will scare them. Or that they're, it's relatable, and then he makes the relatable thing scary, like piano lessons. Um, but then there's also that element of, like, taking a popular uh, fiction, horror story or otherwise... And adapting it into, like, taking inspiration from those those sort of, like, found objects, if you will, of, of, of pop culture. And then, like, mashing them together or manifesting your own version of that trope into its own children's version. And, and you know, slapping a Nick Jr. sticker on it and being like, no, this is for kids. Um, so, like, I, I, I think that those are all happening. And I, I think the same thing about the way that he's writing these cliffhangers and these other things a lot i got i imagine that these books are some children's first exposure to a lot of these concept a lot of these uh the functions of storytelling are kind of all here like you talked earlier about like similes and metaphor and um the vocabulary words and then also things like cliffhangers and beginning middle ends like all these these things that you're supposed to be learning about when you're learning about writing fiction and stories and how that works they're all here mm-hmm. and in that way it's it's it is sort of a i won't use the m word again but it is sort of like a triumph of that quest of that goal it really does succeed in all those ways and again as adults they aren't in exceptionally engaging books they aren't even very engaging books or mildly engaging books but they are doing what they need to do for their target audience i hope and I, I can see the outline. I can see the the blueprint for how they're supposed to do that. And it all makes sense to me. So I got to imagine that they applied correctly. They would work. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I, I dig it uh, in that way. But I do think that there is, like I said before, too, they're too long. They're often far too long. 20, 30 pages too long. And they're often, like you mentioned earlier, they're kind of full of lies. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's kind of bullshit. I, I got tired of it. I feel like as a kid, I might even have gotten tired of it because it just becomes, you learn to not trust exactly. your Exactly. It trains you to go, right. I'm sure he'll be fine when I turn the page. It, tra- it trains you to disengage. Yeah. 
and that's not great. Not and I for, think that not for lots of sales, no. And well, they didn't have any problem with that. But uh, I think in terms of having the respect of your readers, or maybe even reader retention, like I wonder how many people like would skip. Like if you'd have one month that would have like huge spikes and then the next month after they read that book, they'd be like, no, thanks. I don't really need another Goosebumps book after that one. Right. I don't know. I'd be curious. I They probably did fucking great sales. But that like that retraining of being able to be invested and in, in having that sort of removed from you or de-incentivized, it, it, I think I'd like to believe that that is the result of the scholastic what I'm assuming is a scholastic like committee mentality. Yeah. This idea that people were like, it's like the MPAA, like people, somebody who didn't write the book and who's just there to be like a social advocate will come in and say, you cannot have that in this book. You, uh, something as arbitrary uh, that used to be a thing in the MPAA, but something as arbitrary as you can't have an interracial couple. No, 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 no. America does not tolerate that. Or, or, you know, anything. Sure. Um, and and this I, I have a feeling this book had that, but for scary stuff. I I, won, I, I Like I said, there's got, there needs to be a documentary where somebody asks those questions and does a ton of research and finds out as much as they can about the production of Goosebumps and who was involved and what their jobs were. But, like, it's not going to be me. And it probably doesn't already exist. And if it does, here's the shitty part. If it did exist... I bet you it would just be a bunch of fucking bullshit. It would be some propaganda piece to promote the books and a relaunch. And it would just be a puff piece that wouldn't get into the nitty gritty of how it worked at all. So that sucks. I, so in, because of all of that, I, I like these books cerebrally. (laughs) I like these books as an idea, right? But reading them isn't fun. You like the promise of these books. Exactly. I, I really like the brand and the and the idea of what they could do for a person who's a, who's for a developing mind. But not what they do do. Not what they do do at all. What they do do is poopy. And it's not for me because it does take a lot to read something like why I'm afraid of bees and go, oh, wow. Yo. That kid's coming out soon like like it's and maybe i'm maybe i'm projecting into that more than's there but like i say you know listener go pick up a copy of why i'm afraid of bees you tell me if you read it if you read it the same way or if you if you see that metaphor if you see that allegory and if not cool i did but you know like i i because i and, but that's the trouble is that I, I can look at like how to kill a monster and say, it's probably not going to be anything in this. No, it's probably not going to be anything in here. Like anything worth. Well, it looks like, like they will be spending some time in the closet. Well, it's a bedroom door. You sure? Yeah. How do you know? Closets, closets don't have ceiling fans. <laughs> What if check in? What if the kid's hiding in the closet from the monster? Closets don't usually have locks with keys in them on the inside. Damn it. (laughs) Anyway, um, it's possible, but that's the trick is you have to read it to find it. (laughs) And I, and, and it's not fun to do that. Sure. No. So 
so it's it's hard to uh endorse this stuff for anything other than the the novelty or the nostalgia but you found something interesting and maybe even worthwhile in this book and that's that's impressive thanks well so let's get to do you have anything else i don't let's do the cover reimagining okay i'll just say it right now i don't want another cover i like this cover despite its lies despite how it lies to me about what this book's about i've read the whole thing and the only other cover i would accept besides this one yeah there's a scene that happens in the book is gary on his knees just throating a flower like that would be the only thing I, like he would have to like to really like cradle the yeah. blossoms Jesus. and like just fucking right right down his throat for for it, for me to feel like it was even it could be even close to as amazing as this actual cover is well it's an amazing cover i would say i would take an alternate version of it same concept gary's head on a bee but in a writhing mass of bees where he's getting drawn down into that you know milling bee that the swarm he's getting sucked in and his you know maybe a little little bee leg and his head going ah literally a help me moment um would have worked but it would still be a lie yeah but a little more action than just his you know sunset forest the lie is the worst part yeah it is i guess we know what the l stands for i assume his name is robert uh it's probably russell russell lierstein (laughs) russell lierstein (laughs) that sounds like just one word sorry all right anything else before we go to uh the next thing you're right it's robert (laughs) (laughs) haha Uh, no, I've got nothing else. All right. Uh, I think we have a new word alert. What? New word alert. Here we go. All right. Presage. Presage. Presage or presage. Presage. Um... Something that goes before something. I want to say like a like a herald, like your emissary that you send out before you arrive, kind of thing. But I'm not sure. Um. Yeah, you're pretty close. It's uh something that foreshadows or portends a future event. Okay, so not and specifically a person, but it could be. I guess. Yeah. Um. An intuition or feeling of what is going to happen in the future, prognostication, a warning or indication of the future. Real life foreshadowing. Yeah. Okay. All right, here's the next one. Okay. Lore. Lore? What's Data's brother? Lore. Haha. <laughs> um, the, the rich tapestrotic mythology of some, some culture? Yeah, that's one of the definitions, but that's not the definition I'm looking for. Oh, okay. Um, Data's brother. Those are the also two not the definition I'm looking lore. for. What is it? The space between the eye and the bill uh, in a bird or the corresponding region in a reptile or fish. No shit. Yeah. That's really cool. 
Yeah. Would that? Do you think that could also apply to dogs with their muzzle? No. Since they have a protuberant face. Just says bird, reptile, or fish. Huh. Lore. I like that. Okay. That's it. <laughs> Those are the new words. Weird words, right? Yeah, weird. Weird, weird words. So, you want to do another new book? Yeah, I want to do a new book. <laughs> not, not a Goosebumps book. Yes, I would like to do a not a Goosebumps book. Yes, you want to do another Goosebumps book. Well, Rob, no, uh, sorry, it's it's okay. Just calm down. It's okay. Broke my pencil. It's okay. It's okay. No one's here to hurt you. The general pencil. Kimberly. Wow. Okay. Um. So we're going to go back. We're going to pick a new book. We're going to go back to the same selections we had last time. Oh, thank God. Because Rob wanted to read really something. He wanted to read a good spooky story. He wants to read something, something full of spooks. And some, some frights. Yeah. Just some chills so if, and shivers. If you don't remember four episodes ago, uh, then I will do it again. But what, pray tell, could be in the Goosebumps spot? The sixth book. The sixth spot. It's a mystery. All right. Well, it, I mean, if you didn't listen to any of it, it's all a mystery. But here we go. Um, here is the uh, spot number one. S- Stephen King's Carrie. Yes. Spot number one. Stephen King's scary. So if you, if you again, if you if you missed him four episodes ago, well, go listen to that episode too, but also we're going to redo him. So yeah, Stephen King's scary. Spot two. Ailey Martinez's Monster Cryptobiological Containment and Rescue Services. It seems like it might be a comedy horror. I don't know. Next, in the tradition of comedy horror is... Edgar Cantero's Meddling Kids. Yep. Um, <laughs> it's a it's a Scooby Doo. It's, it's fucking a, it's, it's a in pastiche. the name. Yeah, it's, it's a, great. It's a Scooby Doo thing. Uh, book four is uh, Thomas Harris's Red Dragon. Yep. Yep. In case you guys, don't, it's a book with Hannibal. <laughs> um, he ain't crossing the Alps in this one. Wow. Um, book five. Is uh, you know, Dracula. I guess I've never read it. You haven't. I don't know what happens. You don't. No peaks. Who are these characters? I've never heard of them before. Harkness. No. Harkins. Nope. Harker. Yes. See, I've never even heard of them. <laughs> no idea what will happen. I have no clue. Wait, how many books is that? Is that five? That's five. That's books. five. So here comes the sixth. It's only five books. Six. We could call it at five, but we can't. My chance cube has six sides. I can't leave it hanging without that. Okay, so we need five books. We're gonna get a fifth book. Here comes the fifth book. So in uh, slot six, book six, is a uh, Alan Moore Saga: The Swamp Thing, book one. Huh. Okay. I've I've tried to read it before, and I think it always because it has that very seventies uh, newspaper print quality, and it's always kind of made me put it down. Yeah, 
but uh, I hear good things. He's a good author. I like the concept of Swamp Thing. Yeah, I, uh, I, I've, I've never read it, and I've always, I mean, obviously, I'd like to. It's, I, I don't know how much it really like lends towards the horror genre precisely. Is Constantine in it? Is that where he starts? Is it this volume? I mean, yeah, um, you have to look. We'll figure it out if it happens. Yeah, I don't think so. I think <sighs> you've never read it though. No, I've never read any of these. So, okay. um, I haven't either. Cool to read so, it. Yeah. We've, right. ne- we've never done a graphic novel. It'll be interesting. Yeah, I have no idea how to do that one, but honestly, I have no clue how we're going to work this out. Well, it's out. probably um, a collection of issues, right? We could do three at a time. That seems like very little. We'll figure it out. I'm anyway. it's a 12-issue run. This book, this is eight. Oh. Four and four, maybe. Yeah, I could see that. Um, just to give time for, like, you know, recollections. Yeah. Anyway, well, we should get to the rolling, Rob. Let's roll it. The rolling is really where this this pays off. So, again, book six, Saga of the Swamp Thing. Book five, uh, Dracula. Book four, Thomas Harris's Red Dragon. Book three, Meddling Kids. Book two, Monster. And book one, Carrie. So, I'm rolling the die. Rob can see clearly the table on which the die will lie. Fucking slappies um, in the background mocking me. <laughs> slappies presiding over the rolling of this die. What is it? I'm not looking. What is it? I'm, I'm just, I'm trying because it's far away. I think it's four. <gasps> wow. I've paid my dues time after time. Something about a sentence, but committed... I Whatever the fuck. I are the champion. Wow. What does that mean, Doug? What does four mean? Uh, four means we're reading Red Dragon. Well, that's exciting. For me. <laughs> so I have not figured out how many chapters we're reading. So I'm going to have to do that very quickly. Take your time. I'm trying to remember how it's bro- broken up. I will just download it from my previously purchased version on the Kindle. 54 chapters. Jesus. This is going to be a long one. We'll take our time. Let's just set a a goal now, and if you find it reads perhaps easier or more engagingly, we can change it as it goes. All right, let's plan to read... Uh, through chapter five. Okay. Because uh, my experience in the last couple of books that we've done is that around between 60 and 70 pages per episode is kind of the sweet spot for, because listener, if you're listening to this part, (laughs) you know, we do what we do. It's just reading, right? We also take notes. And we also have to, like, think about this stuff and, like, you know, I, I, have, to, I have to come up with a whole narrative about what fucking mo- – why I'm afraid of bees is good. <laughs> and it, it's – it takes time and effort to, like, stew on that stuff and, and you know, really – like, it's fucking stone blood is what I'm saying. And it's, it's, it's hard sometimes. And I'm not saying that this book's going to be like that, but I am saying if this book is good, it might take even longer to read. So – 
Yeesh. It'll be fine. But a question for you is... Do you have the forward to the to a fatal interview at the very beginning? Yeah. Excellent. That's a good story in itself. Cool. Oh, jeez. Um, okay, so, guys. Next time, we're going to be reading Thomas Harris's Red Dragon interview before a fateful murder. F- fatal interview. Forward to a fatal interview. From there, from the beginning of the book, yeah, through chapter five. Thank you for using your loaded die. Not that you owed me, but this this thing, yeah. this is this is perfectly weighted. I know. It's gambling grade. It's from it's from the Venetian, Rob. I'm sorry. I'm. I'm... Nobody nobody disregards the nobody besmirches the Venetian name in my house. I'm in my house, but I'm sorry. I can hear you in my house. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, that's it. Fuck it. We're done. Um, yeah, let's move on. I'll see you next time for uh, Thomas Harris and the uh, another gay love story. Um, it may not reach those lofty heights, but we'll see. Fine. Whatever. All right. Well, that was obviously Death Readers. I'm Doug. I'm Rob. Thanks for listening. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. These reviews help new listeners find us and join the discussion. Follow us on Twitter and like our new Facebook page for Death Readers News. Become a patron at Patreon slash Death Readers. And please discuss us extensively on Reddit. I'm not going to get drawn into another sexual awakening debate with you, Douglas. I simply will not. Uh... Thanks, Dad. Yay. Because that's what Dennis says. Yeah, you got you got my subtle reference. <laughs> wow. <coughs> oh, God. I'm okay. <coughs> I Hannibal live. claims another victim. What does that mean, Doug? What does four mean? <laughs>